0: So you may ask I do serious work how can play and work mix
1: hello and welcome to sharp the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do so now on with the episode Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 32. Now, if you're listening to this in January 2018, welcome back. I hope you had a great holiday and a happy new year. We've had a bit of a pause while we revise what we're doing, working out, you know, how we're going to take things forward, what's working, what's not working, and we're not going to change very much about things, certainly not straight away, although you might notice a a slightly different format, which we hope you like. If you listen to this from the future, because you're going through the back catalogue, then there's been no gap at all, and this episode went out immediately after episode 31. What do you mean we have to tell them? They'll never know. And thank you ever so much for joining us. We hope that you find this episode and the other episodes useful. So, what problem are we trying to solve this time? Well, it's around that tricky subject of completing things, or rather, not completing things. We know that in theory, we should see things through to the end. But sometimes, and for some reason, we just, we just don't finish stuff, do we? Or well, we move on to something more interesting. So I wanted to explore how we can change how we approach that and solve the problem of not seeing things through to the end. So in this episode, we'll look at the idea of giving ourselves rewards for getting things done. We discover a very effective and slightly scary way of making sure that we do what we set out to, and you can learn what a man born in 1922, a brown box, and the name Simon, have got in common, and how all these things can help you do more. I need you to work with me here. Try and picture this scene. You're at the start of a busy day. You've got loads on, And you've got a clear list of what needs doing, you've prioritised it, and you start your day determined. You crack on, and for the first 15-20 minutes you're enthusiastic, working hard. But for some reason, stuff just doesn't happen. And you finish work feeling drained, unproductive, and fed up. Or... You set out to do some exercise, perhaps you've overindulged, you've decided that it's time to do something about it, so you've got the gear, you start running or spinning or hitting the gym. But after a while, the enthusiasm just fizzles out and it comes to a grinding halt. Well, the good news is you're not alone, it happens to the best of us. And we're not lazy, there's nothing wrong with us. It could be about the way we're wired. A piece I read on Inc.com refers to a study at Princeton University. And this study suggests that there are two sections in our brain which seem to work against each other. One supports emotions, and the other one supports abstract reasoning. And the study suggests that these two different elements of our brain respond differently when you're faced with either short-term gratification or bigger rewards, but ones which you have to wait for. In this article, they give the example of when you're faced with cake today or broccoli tomorrow, those two different systems seem to compete. So if you're not seeing any short-term benefits with the activity or the task that you're completing, it's understandable that if the benefit is long-term or far away, it's less likely to motivate us to push on through. In fact, this study is being looked at to try and explain why people find it so hard to save money. I'll put a link to the ink article. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. I'll put a link to the article in the show notes. So to solve this dilemma, we at Sharp have researched three related ways of tackling this problem. The first way is simple. Give yourself short-term rewards. (laughs) Now this doesn't need to be complicated. The reward can be something that you give yourself for each half hour of work you've done, or it could be something nice that you do after you finish a complicated spreadsheet or reading a complex policy or a report or something. The key is planning in the reward with intention. We found 155 ways to reward yourself in an article by developgoodhabits.com. Don't worry, I'm not going to list all 155 ways the article will be there for you to have a look at in the show notes. But what this article gives us examples of is, let's say you've got a big project or a longer term task, then you could try entertainment rewards, from throwing a party to having a night out or going to the cinema. If it's something you need to complete within a single working day, you might choose food or drink rewards or a nice meal or a takeaway or a glass of wine or eating lunch outdoors. And if they're shorter tasks, you can reward yourself at the end by calling an old friend on the phone or doing something crafty like drawing or doodling or something else creative like going outside and taking a great photo. Rewards can be self-care stuff or shopping or travel. Even just going for a walk, that's actually one of my favourites. The idea here is to think in advance about the reward, plan it in and then make sure that you take it. What you're doing is you're creating that You might remember the cue, routine, reward cycle that we talked about in the episode on habits. So, solution number one, reward yourself. Number two is accountability. It's a way of putting pressure on yourself to show other people that you've done what you said you'd do. This can work for business stuff, personal stuff, getting fit. Holding yourself accountable to other people can work for anything that you're finding sticky or difficult to complete. The great thing is... It's social. And when I say social, I mean really social, not Facebook. So what are we talking about? There's a good piece by dothethings.com that gives some examples. So they say, if you're a startup or a solopreneur, I don't know if I like that word, but um, you're an entrepreneur that's working on your own, uh, a great one is to join a mastermind group. These mastermind groups are where you meet up with people who are not competing with you, but who operate similar sized businesses or work in a similar area. The idea is that you hold each other accountable and you motivate each other. So basically, you meet up, you talk about what you've done since the last meetup, or you talk through how far you've got on things that you've committed to. Now, this might be outside of your comfort zone. It might even feel a bit scary. But if you're serious about getting things done, it's definitely going to drive you to make that happen. There's more information at entrepreneur.com, or you can just Google mastermind groups again. I'll put some stuff in the show notes. You could even consider setting one up yourself. And they don't need to be anything more formal than three or four people in a pub. In fact, that sounds like a really good idea. Um, I'll finish the podcast first before uh, I go and meet three people in a pub. Another option is to consider finding a coach or a mentor. And this could be someone that you report into, but they've also got your best interests at heart as well. Some of my voiceover pals do this with other voiceover people who give them feedback on their performances. And a couple of them have actually engaged a formal coach who has the experience to give them solid input whilst challenging them. And they tell me that it's really helped them up their game. Moving away from business and looking on a personal level arranging meetups with like-minded people is a good way to hold yourself accountable for personal stuff. So they could be personal goals, interests that you want to turn into an income, or just spending some time with people, joining a club or committing to a challenge. And you can use an app like Meetup to join with people for all sorts of stuff. A big area where this kind of social accountability can help you is exercising or keeping active. With apps like Fitbit, Strava or PumpUp, You can link to other people and you compete on your exercise streaks or the frequency of your visits to the gym, your daily runs or just how many days you've chalked up avoiding cake. The great thing about social accountability is it's not just you making the decision to stick with things, but you've also got an external reason not to duck out. So, so far we've covered rewards and we've covered social accountability. The third way of getting things finished is one which might sound unrelated to work, but these days it's actually getting a lot of people's attention. And it's called gamification. So you might ask, what has gaming got to do with doing stuff? Well first, we need to understand why the gaming industry is so influential. In 1922, Lottie Kirschbaum and Leo Bayer from Radelben in Germany gave birth to Rudolf. After being expelled from school at 14, Rudolf eventually moved with his family to New York in 1938, where Rudolf Bayer eventually became a US citizen. Known as Ralph, he went on to develop an interest in electronics. And after the war, he had a number of jobs in different electronic companies, building very glamorous stuff like epilators, muscle toning equipment, and surgical cutting machines. The reason we're talking about him is that Bayer is widely considered to be the inventor and father of the home video game console. His idea in 1966 eventually became Bayer's Brown Box, which today looks more like a humidor than a video game. But this went on to become the Magnavox Odyssey.
0: Magnavox presents Odyssey, the electronic game of the future. Odyssey easily attaches to any brand TV, black and white or colour, to create a closed-circuit electronic playground. Odyssey gives you all the exciting action of hockey and 11 other challenging play and learning games for the entire family. Odyssey, a new dimension for your television. Now at your Magnavox dealer. He's listed in the yellow pages. Now in
1: 1972, this bit of kit sold for $99, which today is equivalent to about $580. The advert might make it sound a lot more exciting than it really is. Because what you got for your $580 was basically three dots on a screen. And you put plastic overlays over there to convince yourself that you're playing tennis, hockey, or weirdly, geography. Bayer went on to design the first light gun for the Odyssey system and he co developed the Simon electronic game. Now, today, it's difficult to get an accurate understanding of the size of the video game industry. Some estimates claim that in 2017, it was worth 100 billion US dollars. Now, to put that into context, That's more than the GDP of Uganda, Afghanistan and Bulgaria combined. So, why is it so big? Why have video games become so ubiquitous? And what on earth has that got to do with completing things on a to-do list? Well, whether it's Candy Crush, Angry Birds or Pong, the thing that makes these games so tough to put down is, arguably, progress. Beating your record or beating someone else or just finding out what's around the corner. And importantly, some say that it's the dopamine hit we get from succeeding, you know, getting to the next level, killing the big boss, or finding a way to splat more pigs than last time. And that reward is why gamification is a great way to help you get important stuff done. (sighs) So thinking back to what we were saying earlier about the two halves of our brain, If you're faced with the choice of preparing a complex spreadsheet or enjoying the distraction of seeing what's on Instagram or Twitter, well, it's understandable why we struggle. But you can fool that part of your brain into thinking it's getting a short-term reward if you gamify the outcome. Now, it's important to bear in mind that gamification is different to playing games. Here's Yu Kai Chu speaking at QIdeas, about what gamification is.
2: And so the first thing is, what is gamification? Gamification is basically applying all those fun and exciting elements within games into non-game-slash-boring contexts, things that you have to do, but you don't necessarily want to do, things like healthcare, education, whatnot. And about 13 years ago, I was very curious about why are there so many things that we know we should do and we want to do, again, like training, education, like uh, exercising, but we don't at faith-based projects, and we don't spend a lot of time on it, but yet we spend a lot of time on games. Some people spend three, four, five, six, seven hours on games, and some people's games are poker or mahjong or whatnot, but I was wondering why that is. Why, when there's no purpose at all, we spend so much time on that? And I was wondering if we could learn from how games are so engaging and bring that into the things that are meaningful. I think the world will be at a better place.
1: If you think you're not interested in gamification, you might not have noticed that you're already doing it. My car, for example, encourages me to drive more economically by showing me how many trees I've saved. That's actually levelling up. TV companies now get you to influence the outcome of talent shows or reality TV by texting or using an app to vote so you feel like you're in the game. And if you go anywhere near social media, you are sucked right in because all of the techniques that they use to get you to keep liking, joining, sharing and coming back are classic Q routine reward cycles combined with the dopamine hit that you get when leveling up, whether that's followers, shares, likes, or whatever. Now, you might think that there's no place for games in the workplace, but this is a snip from Janaki Kumar on the TED stage with a different viewpoint.
0: So you may ask, I do serious work. How can play and work mix? Yeah? Well, if you ask that question, you reveal your assumption that the opposite of play is work. Research does not support this assumption. According to Brian Sutton Smith, a play theorist, the opposite of play is not work, but depression. Human beings love to work, human beings love to play, and gamification just gives us an opportunity to combine the two. This notion that play and work are opposite of one another is a legacy of the industrial age, where we clocked in to work and we clocked out to play. Our workplaces have changed significantly since then. We have transitioned to the information age, and we are now at what Dan Pink calls the conceptual age.
1: So how do we make it work for us? Trello, I've got a great article. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Trello. I think I'm going to have to need to do an episode on it. But this isn't about Trello. Trello have got a great article on gamifying your life. It explained that the the simplest, most low-tech way is to start gamifying your work and getting more done by attaching rewards to checklists, which you'll remember that we talked about before. Yu Kai Chu is a gamification expert. And in this article from Trello, he explains a system which is like the rewards idea we talked about earlier, but it brings in an element of chance. So basically what you do is you get a bit of paper, you write the numbers 2 to 12 on the side of that paper, and by the side of each of these numbers, you write a reward. So it can be a snack, it can be a 15 minute break, it can be a bit of a walk if you like. What you can do is you can leave some of them blank so there's no reward by it. So when you've ticked a task off your list, you roll the two dice and whatever number that you roll, you either get the reward or you get nothing and you move on. And what he says in this article is it's more engaging to the brain because each time you finish a task, it's like pulling a slot machine bar. So you've got this this excitement of actually I don't know what reward I'm going to get. And that actually creates some anticipation. It's exactly the same process that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram use through their notification bit. You have a little bit of a pause before you see how many notifications you've got. And that's their way of creating that anticipation which keeps you hooked. Now, we talked before about social accountability. But there's a version in this article which is a a gamified version called Will You Punish Your Buddy? And I quite like this. So what you do is between you and another person, you make a deal that at the start of the day, you text the other person your top three most important tasks on your list. So these are things that you want to get done by, say, five o'clock. And then at five o'clock, you send them a text. And what you do is you let them know if there are any that haven't been finished. And for each unfinished task, your friend has to do a punishment, so 30 push-ups or whatever. So think about that. You've got three things to do. You do two of them. There's one outstanding. If you don't get that thing finished, your pal's going to have to do 30 push-ups or 10 sit-ups or whatever the punishment is. Now, Chu explains in this article that this adds a social accountability for getting things done because if you don't get your stuff done, your pal gets punished. Ah! So if you want to go the whole hog, there's loads of apps out there to help you gamify getting some things done. The first one I mention is Habitica. So this actually turns your life into a role-playing game. So you can set recurring tasks, which it calls dailies, one-off tasks, your to-dos, and optional tasks like habits. It then rewards you with gold to buy, not real gold, in the game, to buy equipment and you can learn new skills and cast spells and so on. Now, if role-playing isn't quite your bag, Yu Kai Chu has his own article that lists his top 10 gamified productivity apps. So, in there, there's things like Super Better, which is an app designed by gamification expert Jay McGonigal. And this aims to help people contact bad habits and make the process less painful. There's Todoist Karma. So, this is interesting. It takes the existing app called Todoist, which some of you may use. And what it does is it gives you positive karma for doing your tasks. Another one is Epic Win, so this is another one where you can play as a character that gets leveled up when your tasks are done. And there's seven others to have a look at in his article, so as always, take a look in the show notes. However you want to gamify your tasks, your day, or even your whole life, there's plenty of resource out there to look at, and I'll put loads of links to this stuff in the show notes because it takes a bit of exploring. So if you want to get better at finishing things and inject a bit more fun into your day, remember your brain has those two competing sides. The emotional part that wants instant gratification, let's call that part cake, and the logical part that's trying to focus on doing the right thing, and we'll call that part broccoli. So to reduce the conflict, if you feed the emotional part, that can help you get the right things done by using simple rewards from a walk around the block, to a full on party. Exposing yourself to being accountable to others, a mastermind group, using an app like Pump Up, or signing up with a coach. Or gamifying your day from simple paper and pen ideas, two dice and a list of rewards, I really like that one, to apps that show your progress like Todoist Karma, or full on role player games where you get gold for smashing that must do list. I wonder if there's one where you can get cake instead of gold. I wonder how many times I've referred to cake in this podcast. Note to self, don't record a podcast when you're hungry. So, whatever you choose, remember the aim is to get things done. And if you don't have those two different parts of your brain at battle, then it might mean that you can have cake now and broccoli later. And who knows, maybe you'll come up with the next groundbreaking invention. But if you do, do us a favour, call it something a bit more imaginative than Simon. All the links, resources, and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review which would be fab. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps, or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you are able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do which will help you get better. And remember... Don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye bye. I wrote something down to explain this, what I mean by this. And I've read it a few times and I'm not happy with it. So, what I'm basically saying is, Bear went, Bear went, Bear. Bayer 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 went on to design Bayer went Bayer went on to design the first light gun